interesting that you raised the idea of modern communications and to some extent also Shelley as a, as a writer out of touch with with reality. It seems to me you as a modern writer don't have that sort of luxury. That was a <laughs> neat segue. I wish we do. <laughs> How about that for a segue? Um, you are um, both active and, and, and skilled on, on Twitter. You've just recently written a very um, eloquent and... Uh, article about um, writers using Twitter on, on the Huffington Post that all writers should immediately go and, and read. Um, how important is social networking and modern communications, but also appearing at festivals and events? How much is now that a part of your, your, your writer's life? I think it's a big part of most writers' lives now. I mean, if you're desperately famous and, and um, everyone knows who you are, you probably don't need to bother there are a lot of very famous writers are on Twitter, mm. um, but you know, you, you, I'm sure you don't have to bother. I don't think Hilary Mantel's on Twitter; she doesn't need to be clearly. Um, but for the rest of us, um, I, I don't think it's an option really anymore. Um, partly because your readers expect to find you. You know, uh, you know, people will will come on Twitter. They read your book. They come on. They look for you and they find mm. you. And and I'm sure it must be really nice because I, I mean I I've connected with writers I admire. And it's a lovely moment when someone replies to you, mm-hmm. uh, and you know it takes thirty seconds of my life um, to reply to someone who wants to tell me they like my book, and it's a lovely thing to hear. Um, and it must be nice to get a reply. So, um, from that point of view, um, it's, it's a wonderful medium. I always think Dickens would have adored it because <laughs> yeah, yes. he would have been so good at it anyway. Because he, he'd have been so you know witty. But he was the first multimedia author before we even had a word for that. Yeah. You know, actually doing his own doing his own performances so I always think he'd have been a real smash on, on Twitter um, but yeah I, I enjoy doing it I've met some really nice people uh, on Twitter and I thought of it at the beginning I thought it was I was doing it really to, to support the, the work on the books but actually it's much more than that nice. um, it, it is a wonderful support for the work on the books if, if you do it reasonably well there are people who do it less well but uh, if you do it you do it reasonably well and, and you don't go in for a hard sell. That's the key. Don't go, don't go in, into it thinking you're just going to pump out, you know... Those emails every eight uh, seconds. Yeah, another so buy my book, already. buy my book. Yeah. yeah, you know, that doesn't work. But you can, you know, build a, a really interesting community um, uh, on there, both of people who are writing, like you, um, people who are reading, um, just engaging with the world. I mean, I get most of my news from Twitter now, <laughs> rather than from uh, you know traditional media. Um, I, I I enjoy it. I, I think it's. I, I love the stimulation of having to do it in 140 characters. I think that's a real. Uh, it actually, uh, uh, makes you crisper, makes you you know condense yeah. your thoughts. Um, and as I say, I've, I've met some really nice people. I've made some really good connections. And, and the key being, they're people I would never have met any other way. Very true. Ever have met any other way. Partly they might be in a different country. Um, they might just never be, you know, the whole like, sort of Venn diagrams of the circles you move in. And they, they're in circles that don't overlap with yeah. mine and never would have done. Um, but in Twitter, it sort of brings it all together, and you can you can make connections often through other people. You know, yes. that's happened that way. Someone who they know and I know, and then it sort of turns into like a spider diagram, and you suddenly have this wonderful <laughs> network of interesting people. But yeah, I love it. I love it. What are the downsides? I mean, uh, you know, a lot of writers that I talk to complain, for example, about the you know the, the again the, the the joys, but also the horrors, say, of the Amazon review or. Um, <laughs> 
bloggers that, or to be honest, reviewers for that matter, you know, your review then is out and much more available, mm-hmm. um, the good and, and the bad. I mean, how, how do you deal with the, the, the praise and also mm. uh, censure? Is that, is that a, and has that been changed by the technology? Yes, I think it has, uh, because um, like the internet um, in general, it's completely democratic. So anyone can put up a review on Amazon um, and that means you get lots of nice ones and you get lots of nice ones. And sometimes you read your lots of nice ones and you think, well, you were never going to enjoy this book because you wanted it to be science fiction. So (laughs) why are you putting up a one-star review? Because it's not science fiction. I hate Charles Dickens, so I was disappointed by (laughs) this book. Exactly. So you sort of, sometimes that makes your heart sink because you think, well, that's not really very fair. But on the other hand, you don't, uh, you can't afford to obsess about it. You've just got to move on. I don't actually read my Amazon reviews very often. And I'm not just saying that I, I don't really very often um, you know, it's, I just sort of every now and again sort of see what the ratios are of you know 5 to 4 to 3 to 1 um, and as long as it looks reasonably healthy then I just leave it alone because I know if I start if I start going and looking at them then I'm going to obsess about it <laughs> so I just try and sort of try and try to you know do the noble thing and walk away um, yeah I mean it's it's just the way it is now you know and you've, you've it, it's very easy to say you've got to grow a thick skin that's incredibly easy to say and much, much harder when someone's yeah. just written something that you think is unfair or, you know, they haven't read it properly or, or any of those other, you know, natural writer reactions to a bad review. Um, but you, you do have to. You do have to grow a thick skin and you have to be able to just keep going. Um, you're never going to p- please all the people all the time. And, and there was a lovely tweet that I picked up on a while ago where someone said that, um, I think it's the Great Gatsby that's got about two hundred one-star reviews on Amazon. So, yeah, if it's good enough for the Great Gatsby, it's, it's good enough for me. Just proves doesn't matter how brilliant you are, um, someone's going to give you a one-star review. How about sort of one one-star days? Um, it's another segue. Uh, a writer's life is a sort of strange existence, and you've already sort of touched mm-hmm. it. But you do spend a lot of time on your own. A lot of time, uh, you have a very nice window to look out of here. Um, but what happens when you have a bad day or you've just been not been writing well or you've been planning to write and then mm. other things get in the way um, how do you deal with that how do you deal with a, a, a difficult day at, at the office, <laughs> the office. <laughs> when every bit of dialogue is when every bit of dialogue doesn't sound like mm. real people um, funnily enough it's back to what I was saying early on that um, if I feel that sort of coming on, if I if I feel that I'm starting to wade through treacle, mm. um, then I will actually put it down and do something else. Um, I'll do the other job um, and I'll try and... Uh, the great thing about the other job for me um, is that the pieces of work I do are all quite small, most of them. Um, so you could be looking at a couple of thousand word piece or you know, that type of thing. So it's something you can get done. Um, you can get done in, in a reasonable short space of time and feel a sense of achievement, my point, really, that having done that and having done a good job, uh, you can bolster your confidence <laughs> back up. Because um, it's a marathon, a, a novel, not, not a sprint. So you know, even though there'll be days when it's going really well, there will be days, as you say, where it isn't. Um, so you know, rather than getting bogged down in that, I, I find it quite useful to go away and write something short and sweet, mm. do a good job, be confident that you have done a good job, get nice feedback from your client, and then you got that sense of achievement from something else. Uh, because with the novel, you can only really, really get it at the end. 
I mean, you can get it as you go along for some, certain scenes or whatever that particularly please you, but you're only really going to get that sense of, of fulfilment and achievement when you finish the thing, and that's usually a long way ahead. Um, so in the meantime, I like my day job because it gives me lots of little milestones um, for other things. Rather and you're writing a novel just about a year? Yeah, or about a year at the moment, yeah. yeah. That's a sort of extraordinary pressure. Uh, or is that, do you actually find, again, is it, is it, does it help having a sense of deadline do you it does I'm used to deadlines so they don't they don't freak me out um the uh the one that was the hardest for that was the Shelley book Treacherous Likeness because that took so much more research uh, I've spent a lot of time at six months in the library for that um so it was always going to be a monster <laughs> appropriately enough uh, it was it was always going to be a monster any which way you cut it that book it was always going to be the toughest um whereas with um with Murder at Mansfield Park, with Tom Willows, I could take what I wanted from my source material and leave behind what I didn't want. So I was just able to be completely pick and choose. Whereas with, with, the, with the Shelley book, I couldn't do that. Like I said before, there are certain things that happened in their lives which I could not just airbrush out because it didn't suit me. And I couldn't, no, I had no flexibility in my chronology. I had to fit it around what happened at specific times. So it was really, it was really hard work. Um, and while I'm very pleased with how it turned out, I, I won't be going okay. doing biographical again. Not unless I stumble across someone I'm not aware of who has the most amazing life. I'm not aware that somebody out there that's desperate for me to write about them. Um, but no, it was just too hard. It was too hard. What sacrifices do you see that you've made? to have this literary career, um, both whether it's socially or, or maybe financially or, you know, how, mm. to the, the sort of pressure you've just described, that's, that's rather extraordinary to spend six months in the library and then yeah. this really takes something it takes a lot out of your life, but um, I don't see it really as a sacrifice. Okay. Um, I think what it's, what it's done, and I, I bet most writers would agree with me on this one, though I don't... I haven't had this conversation explicitly with anybody. But what actually it does to you is that it gives you higher highs and lower lows, um, you know, than you would have if you didn't write. Um, so if you do get a fantastic review um, in a, the Times or something, and I, you know, Daily Mail, I had a they said it was an, an absolute must. What a wonderful thing mm. someone to say about your book. So yes, that's a higher high than you'll ever get from your ordinary life. Mm. You know? But also when it the opposite happens when you get a review you don't think it's fair or someone gives away the whole point of your mystery story in that <laughs> headline of their review which has happened to me in a national newspaper you know you think oh for heaven's sake and yeah. that gives you a lower low than you would have had otherwise so it gives you higher peaks and, and lower troughs so your life becomes you know emotionally more erratic um, <laughs> because because of being a writer you get you get real great days and they are absolutely fantastic but you also get moments where you just think oh i'm not going to bother doing this anymore and that surrounds the reception of the book much more than just the day-to-day -day... for me yes yeah. i mean i don't know whether other people are the same i mean the writing process for me is a much more even keel um, I don't tend to have moments where I'm in despair or okay. moments when I'm ecstatic it, it, you know, it tends to emotionally to be a relatively uh, even experience it's the, the reception which 
um, which because it's out of your control as much as yeah. anything else. You know, you, you don't you don't know how it's going to go down. Um, so I'm sure other people feel the same about the reception bit. I don't know how other people feel about the writing bit. For me, that's I just see that as another job, to be honest. And do, do, do the, does the book stay with you in you know in, in the evening? Can you when you turn off the your computer? Um, can you leave the characters behind, or do you get sort of? But do you wake up in the middle of the night, sort of shouting Shelley's name? And um, oh golly, that would be a bit frightening, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that really would be a nightmare. Or suddenly realizing a plot breakthrough. Um, Occasionally, I mean, okay. like most people, they have the cliche of the pen and paper behind beside the bed in okay. case you forget it by the time you wake up. It doesn't happen that often, though. Okay. Um, I have normally been able to just um, park them and leave them there and come back to them in the morning most of the time. I think that's actually quite healthy in a way. Yeah. Uh, you don't want it taking over your brain. It's slightly sort of personal, more personal question, but uh, I was wondering how your husband <laughs> lives with... I'm always very curious about the effect that writers have on those around, <laughs> around them. Does, well, well, going you, back to Shelley again, yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I are I you difficult to live in, in those terms? Or, I mean, in some ways what you were just describing, it sounds like you can walk away from the office and just walk back into your, into your non... Yeah. I think, yes, the person who lives with you will also have their life more erratic emotionally <laughs> um, on the reception phase. Okay. Um, because if you're really excited about something or if you've had a bad review, then, yes, it's, um, it's natural to talk about that to the person that you, that you live with. So they, they will go through that, that, that element of it. I don't think I'm a difficult person to live with when I'm writing particularly. Okay. Um, but, you know, the, the reception bit of it is it's also unpredictable because you don't know how it's going to turn out. So you have to sort of, one minute can be great and the next minute suddenly something's happened out of the blue and you, you know, and you don't feel so confident. So it's, it, it's in, interesting, I'm sure, <laughs> to be on the other side. I mean, he's, my husband is actually, I have three people who read my books who uh, at the first draft stage who come at them from different perspectives and he's one of them and um, well, the other one's my agent uh, who's brilliant um, always has something useful to say and the other one is my former professor who is like my literary um, <laughs> literary mentor for a long time and and now because his knowledge is so immense um, you know he will you know be able to read it from the point of view of the, the expert reader right uh, and that's always useful to have <laughs> yeah. you know so he edited Bleak House actually uh, years ago so when I offered it can you imagine when I offered him a book oh this is actually inspired by Bleak House that was a moment but it meant that you know no one knows Bleak House better than him so um, I knew that if it passed muster with him as a, you know, an expert on Dickens, then I hadn't made any really crashing mistakes. Well, what do you want from those early readers? Um... Does it work, basically? Right. Um, you know, for example, um, you know, is there enough suspense? Uh, did you guess who the, who the killer was? Um, you know, that type of thing. Um, no, there's a, there's a very moving scene in Tom All Alone's, which is entirely down to my agent, um, where, he, you know, the first version he read it, and he said, no, there's, there's something missing in, 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 about here. You know, he, he, didn't, he didn't come up with the answer, but he came up with the issue, mm-hmm. that there was, there was a need for something more at a certain point in that plot. And he also said, um, Charles needs something in his past. He needs something in his past that... that um, helps to explain who he is now and that's what led to the fact that his sister was abducted as a very tiny child and that, is... and that he feels himself responsible for that and it was it was a conversation with my 
my agent that led to that development in the plot that wasn't there originally that came in later because interesting there's a collaboration because that that is one of that if there was one theme that seems to run through uh certainly the 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 two most recent novels there is that sense of children being lost children Mm. children being Mm. harmed killed all sorts Mm. of sort of Mm. it's an extraordinary is it is it is that sort of difficult? Is that difficult for you to to write about? I mean, it's, it's it is difficult. Um, I don't have children. I should say that straight away for for, for the purposes of, of, of you know people listening to this. So it's not a personal thing oh. that I've 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 suffered any loss myself because I haven't, and I don't know anyone who has either. Mm. So it's not it's not coming from anything um, direct at all. Uh, it, it was slightly. The, the issue in, in A Treacherous Lightness was not, that was not really down to me. I mean, that actually f- happened in their history. I mean, they, mm, they, they, did, they did lose children, so that's not something that I'm overlaying onto that story. That's something that came from the story itself. Um, you're right, in Tom All Alone, that was my decision to, um, mm. to have that theme. But I, one of the things, whenever I read the stories about um, the history of Victorian London, those are the things that always... You know, hit me, you know, very hard. The idea of, you know, the idea that, that women would would actually abandon their children because they'd be mm. their babies because they couldn't feed them. Um, so you know, maternal infanticide is extremely common, yeah. but but born of desperation and destitution. And I I always find that immensely um, you know, distressing and difficult. Um, and I think it's the sort of thing that. You know, we don't know enough about in terms of the history of the century, and 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 the sort of thing that fiction can do—that you can actually uh, look at those sorts of issues again through through fiction um, in a way that yeah, I think is uh, can shed new light on. So what next? Um, I know you've just finished a novel, but I assume this is still top secret. Uh, my agent won't let me say yet. Yeah, so no amount of torturing. No amount of torturing. Those reservoir dogs. <laughs> like if you start hearing the screams. Um, so is it when you finish a novel, do you go through it? Is it, is it, is it a difficult process? Is there a sense of loss? Or do, are you grieving or is it a oh, bit yeah. of relief? Um, it's an adrenaline thing with me. I, know, I, I, I now have to plan for it because I know I get to the end of a, of a novel and it's like going off, you know, it's going off a cliff. You know those Tom and Jerry cartoons yeah. where there's run the a man thing. running across the <laughs> abyss and his legs are still going? And I get to that point and I suddenly think, oh, hang on, you know, there's nothing beneath. Um, you know, there's, you get this such a huge rush of, of adrenaline as you finish a book. You have to actually sort of manage that. You've got to manage yourself back down again, uh, because otherwise you sort of, you know, it, it can plummet. You can plummet a bit, and and it's, it's it's not it's not you know, sort of emotional or mental really. It's it's physical because your your body is actually producing all this adrenaline, and it doesn't know what to do with it. You know, and and so it's you know you you can find your mood affected by simply by by that. You know, and, and so I sort of plan it now, sort of work out, you know, make sure that um, you know I know I'm now I'm coming down gradually. You know. <laughs> from this high of, of, of finishing the book. So I mean, it's almost like a Sherlock Holmes thing, that between cases he could, he would plummet into sort of Probably, quite yes. severe I hadn't even I hadn't even thought of that, that yes, it's a, it, it must be the same sort of idea of sort of finishing something and, and coming to a conclusion and uh, and then then there's nothing left, there's nothing there, you know, it, you know it's, <laughs> sort of, it's gone, you know, where did it go? It's finished, you know, so yeah. So, if 
there was one or possibly two pieces of advice for someone listening to this who was hoping to write a book that you've learned, um, what would they be? The sort of is, do you have a gold rule for yourself that, that you'd want to ha- to hand over? Who was thinking of who was in that position that you were? Yes, um, in terms of looking back and the pieces of advice I would have liked mm. um, to have got. One was practice. <laughs> practice, practice, practice. Just keep doing it. It's, 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 it's sort of a perseverance message mm. as much as, uh, as a technique message, actually. There's two things in there. One is practice because you'll get better at it. So hone your technique. The more you write, the better you'll be. That's mm. part of that piece of advice. But the other half of the same piece of advice is you have to persevere. You can't afford to get daunted too soon because mm. it probably won't go right the first book. You probably won't get published the first book. Mm. Um, it might take you quite a time to actually get the skills you need. But don't be daunted. You know, It can happen. You can get published. You can get your books out there. So um, practice and perseverance is, is sort of all, all mixed up together. Um, and I think the other piece of advice, we get a good agent. Okay. Yeah. Um, my agent... It's, it's actually my second one. I was originally with someone else, but my agent now, um, like I said before, amazingly uh, good uh, person to have as part of this lifestyle, this life, this literary life. He's my most constructive literary relationship. Um, he's always got something useful to add. Um, and I think to have someone who's been with who sticks with you over time and mm. sees how your writing is developing you know, supports you at the points where you know things perhaps aren't going as well as as you would hope shares those highs as mm. well because he knows how hard you've worked to get there he or she um yeah i think get a good agent and develop a good working relationship with them i think for me that's that's been a, a really you know, important part of how I've got to where I am now as far as, insofar as I've got anywhere, uh, that's one of the reasons that I've done it. And don't be daunted. I like that. As a, don't be daunted. I think on that actually a positive upswing note, um, I'm going to say thank you very much to Lynn Shepherd for spending so much time with me in this beautiful room um, with her very clear desk. I think that may be the other <laughs> bit of advice I'd like to, I may take from this afternoon. But, so thank you very much for your time and um, there'll be details of how to get hold of your books up on the website. It was a delight, thank you. Fantastic. 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 Fantastic.